Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Sean Smith. Oh, it was brilliant to catch up with Sean. Uh, we haven't seen him, I think we say, uh, during episode 60. Episode 60. We say to him, it's been since 2019 yeah. where we played Shepherd's Bush with Funeral for a Friend, part of the charity event that they did. Um, that's the last time we've seen Sean, mate. Yeah, epic, epic night um, for multiple reasons. But yeah, but I mean, Sean was doing his antics. You know, he's a very lively character on stage, lively character in general. Yeah. Um, brilliant to chat with him and catch up. But he's looking well, man. I thought so. He's grown his ear. Yeah. Um, for anybody who wants to see the visual episode, it's on YouTube, uh, episode 60, as I said. He's grown his ear. And yeah, if, if you're trying to get a gauge of what Sean is like, that is exactly what he's like. Whether it's on or off the scenes, he's always bubbly, he's always cracking jokes. Yeah. Um, even when you try and get a little bit deep, he'll, he'll, he'll literally go go to somewhere else. Like, you know, he'll bring it back like the art did, like, you know. So, yeah. Um, Tremendous career as well, but um, he's taken a lot of flack um, over the years, especially throughout the Welsh scene. Oh, it's that, it's that fucking knobhead or whatever people have said said about him. He has taken a lot of insults, um, but he's achieved a lot, Shane, and you've got to respect that. 100%, bud. And, but it's that personality that he got. Um, he's infectious. It's like if, even if you don't know him, the minute you, you're in his presence, you know, he's, he's, he's the largest character in the room. And he's like you said, he's met so many who he mean dropping bombs when he dropping huge names that he's toured with, and not just toured with, hang out with. I won't tell you who they are. You got to listen to the podcast, but um, you can see why those people wanted to hang out with him. You know what I mean? He's he's a major, a mega, massive personality in the room. Um, he's infectious. Yeah, and I won't give it away, but it is incredible when he's basically ticked his bucket list of heroes. Yeah. Yeah, that is what I found tremendous last night. That was my takeaway, um, and yet you know Sean does go into it how disappointed still he was with with how things ended with the blackout, um, and the fact that he was in no no man's land of what do I do now? Like you know, um, really truthful, um, and 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 like I said, it's it's great because he's kind of crossed the channels from his successful podcast to ours. Um, Satin podcast, he, he gave a lot away there, and I was glad that we could go into it last night and how how pure and honest he was about the music industry and how it treated him um, from the highs right down to the lows, like you know. Yeah, man, exactly that. He wears his heart in his sleeve, and it's like I don't think there's a like most people, you know, what you see on stage is different to how they are in real life. But Sean is just Sean, um, whether he's on stage or not, and um, that's. That's an abundance on 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 Crowcast. Tremendous guest. As I said, if you want to see the visual, episode 60, now available on YouTube. Shall we get into it? Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are close! We have the, the full story guest. Do we have a note? Ladies and gentlemen, pro family, please welcome the front man of the blackout, front man of the Raiders, and co-presenter of the awesome Sapling podcast. It's Mr. Sean Smith. 
didn't you didn't say co-presenter of Sapling Podcast, did you? Oh fucking hell, look out. <laughs> listen now, listen to live, show you live. Sapling Podcast with you. With two fellas. Is it called with two fellas? <laughs> it's not, is it? Have you all not got a have you, have you not got a co-presenter? Um, co-host. No, not even. Mm. Yeah. Not even giving him out of you. Yeah. <laughs> he's watching. He's watching. He's brilliant, man. He's brilliant. He's co-host. There you are, right, Chin? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm number two in my own podcast. Thanks, Shane. Um, no, but not at all. No, you're not. You're number one, brother. But what I wanted to do is make Morgan feel special. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um It'd be oh, a new yeah. graphic this week. It'd be a new graphic when I Morgan. Oh, no, or like no. a stamp, it will. Like a foiled stamp, like. <laughs> How are you How two are you anyway? You too, bet. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in I'm uh, I'm in Mercer Tidville at the moment. Um I I was just chuckling behind the scenes just now when I was backstage, um laughing at the idea of Ronnie drunk at his kids' game, shouting fucking hooligan stuff at his Go ahead, smash him up! <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that as well, but yeah. it is a bit like a go through him, fucking have him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man, yeah, because we haven't seen you since funeral for a friend gig in Shepherd's Bush. Wow. Is that the last time we seen you, but yeah, when was that? October twenty nineteen. Bloody hell! Yes, Jesus. that is the yeah. last time. Yeah, man. I mean, for anybody, good, um... go on, oh, yeah, of course. Look, you I was going to say, for anybody who doesn't know Sean, like we, we're going to go all the way through his past. We're going to bring out all the cobwebs and everything over again, right? Um, but no, that was a great gig, but in Shepherd's Bush. Um, yeah. And then sadly, Will went to shit. How, how, how were you through that? Like, Because obviously with the new band and everything, and the podcast has been doing incredible. Um, yeah. what, what, what happened for you, like, you know, when it all kicked off? Um, well, Raiders, my new band Raiders, um, I'd just come off a tour February 2020 and then um, yeah and then the virus turned up and everything shut down but yeah we were meant to play a couple of festivals and stuff but we had some stuff sorted that was unannounced but then obviously disappeared um, so yeah we um, yeah we've recorded four songs we put three of them out three of them? yeah we put three of them out over the pandemic period we have one more to go, and hopefully we're going to record uh, a music video. One of their music videos. Have you heard about them? Kids love them. They're going to make a music television one day, and it's going to be the shit, I reckon. Um, <laughs> so we're making music videos now in the hopes the music videos get popular in the future. Um, so we're going to go up to Sheffield and we're hoping to record with Aaron from the band While She Sleeps, who's a videographer. So, um, yeah, we did that, and then... Yeah, with the podcast, with uh, Saturday podcast with Sean Smith. That's it. There's no, no, there's no other names. Get that face on the screen. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we were just lucky that we could kind of, I hate to use business terms, but pivot with the times. And we could do um, over Zoom, basically. So um, I think the first one that we did via Zoom was Bert McCracken of The Used. Um, we had him on and yeah, and then we realized we could probably carry on and we've been lucky enough now that we're on episode 129 this week and, um, yeah, we have missed a week. We've done 129 weeks in a row. 
we haven't missed a week. And yeah, we've had some people who I don't think we would have got um, in the flesh. So people like um, Dave Lombardo from Slayer um, has been on the podcast. Um, we never, ever, ever would have interviewed Dave Hill from Slade if it wasn't for uh, the virus, which ended up being a super interesting, crazy story-filled uh, podcast, which came out on Christmas Day, I believe as well. Unbelievable chance that the, the Slade episode comes out on Christmas Day. Um, well, so we had, um, yeah, we've just been super lucky, really. Uh, we had, uh, I was telling you before, we had Max Cavalera from Sepultura yeah. uh, and Soulfly. And he spent 20 minutes trying to work out how to put a camera on, which was fun and crazy at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's the square box, Max! I don't know. Never mind. Um, so, yeah, we've been, we've been lucky enough that we get to carry on. And then, of course, I guess our podcast has survived to go Patreon because we've got a Patreon for our podcast. So, um, yeah. yeah, if it wasn't for that, I don't know if the podcast would have carried on. So, yeah. Um, I've been busy and yeah, Raiders are ready to play and rock again. Um, and yeah, I've been trying to just keep busy because otherwise I'll go bloody bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Was it always something you thought about then, Sean, doing a podcast? Or was it something that's just after the band? There's always like you, you're meeting people on the circuit, so to speak. And then, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, let's do a podcast. But, or was it something you always wanted to do as a kid? Like, well, I think in me, really, what I am, what I genuinely think I am in my heart is um, a comedian trapped in a front man's body, right? So I've ended up being a front man of a band just so I could do comedy in between the songs pretty much, right? And then be saved by a band if the songs go... If if the jokes go badly, I can go, fuck it, quick, play the song! Whereas, (laughs) um, yeah, so I've, I've always had this kind of like entertaining but also kind of I love talking to people I love listening to stories I love sharing my stories I uh, in no way do I take for granted how mad it is that uh, an idiot from Merthyr Tidville like myself has got to do some of the things I've got to do with some of the people I've got to do like I've met all my musical heroes and they've all been tidy they haven't been a dick really um but yeah, so what happened was when the blackout um, came to an end, March 22nd, 2015, I don't remember it because I'm a bit uh, um, <laughs> I was kind of lost. I was lost for a few months and I didn't really know what to do. Um, there they are. There they are, man. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't really know what to do. So I posted on my social media um, that I was either going to start a YouTube channel or a podcast channel just talking shit, just telling my stories or talking to other people just to hear their funny stories. And um, so I tweeted about it. And then I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but there's a rap group from um, Ireland called Rubber Bandits. And it's two fellas and they wear plastic bags on their faces. <laughs> this sounds <laughs> meant, it sounds like my mess just kicked in. It hasn't, right? That's another 20 minutes yet, right? That's a slow one, the meth is. It comes up slowly on me. Um, so these two fellas, they're rappers with bags on their head. Their most famous song is a song called Horse Outside, which um, the song is about having a horse outside rather than a car for transport. So it's a guy going to a wedding saying, basically the chorus is, fuck your Honda Civic, I have a horse outside. Fuck your Subaru, I have a horse outside. 
Anyway, <laughs> so I, I tweeted, I wanted to start a YouTube. And then one of the rub bandits messaged me and said, don't do that, start a podcast because there's no money in YouTube. And then he put me in contact with Acast, um, who are our service provider. And um, yeah, I got in touch with Morgan, who's um, co-host. <laughs> and um, I say co-presenter. Oh uh, yeah, that's worse. I think. I think that's worse. I don't think it is. No, is if it? you're the host, I don't know. you're the main guy. You know, if you're the presenter, you know, you're secondary. Uh, Cool. I like that, Shane. Well, well, well shimmy, Shane. You've dodged that. Nice, left. Man. I like nice, it. Um, um, but yeah, so I got in touch with Morgan, who I knew was a journalist who worked at Radio Cardiff. So I was like, he's going to have all of the gear and all of the idea. And then we got together, we started talking about it, and then I found out he didn't have um, an idea or any of the gear. So um, then me and him both had to chip in and buy the gear. And then we bought the gear, and then we started just doing it. And then never really looked back, really. I was just thinking about it, how mad it was the other day. Like, I was talking to my girlfriend, and she was saying how she's about to get a business started. And she's like, I don't know how to start it. And I was like, you just... In the, in the words of small, small sports brand Nike, just have a go in it. Just have a go, or whatever they say. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just have a go in it. Yeah. Have a bash, whatever they're saying is, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what we did. We literally had it. We had probably four or five episodes in the bag beforehand, and then we just started putting them out, and here we are today, 129 deep so far. Incredible, bro. I mean, we've been there from episode one, um, which... You you introduced yourself and what you've done throughout your career, which we'll get into that now. Um, and the stories mm. are fantastic. There are slightly more than four, so everybody can get excited. Um, and then, obviously, when the guests started rolling in, it was brilliant. There was some familiar to people we knew. Um, yeah. And then right up to, like you said, but, you know, COVID kicks in, and you're thinking, fuck, how do we... Because the difference is, for anybody watching this, like, Sean and Morgan used to go and do it, you know, it was face-to-face, it's proper podcasting, because you'd be there, it'd be backstage, I know some of your interviews are backstage, Um, some of them, uh, they'd come to your house, some of them in different locations, Um, so it's the fact of this was a very, like, personal face-to-face vibe when you started this, so the fact that you had to adapt is just magical, but, because you know what it's like, some people go, ah, well, fuck it, didn't it? Um, Yeah, that's why. Yeah, we were we we had a kind of worry for a little second, I guess, but just because we were like, I guess I was more worried about music just stopping altogether, like like everyone just going, oh, do you know, I didn't want to talk or do interviews anymore, like do you know what I mean? So when we realised that we could probably speak to people who we weren't going to speak to because they weren't coming over anyway, we were mm-hmm. like, oh, this could be good for us, and it has it has worked out quite well because yeah, we're still here now, and then there's. To be honest, there's people we've had on the podcast where I might have heard two songs beforehand, but I just once they realise, once they break, once they realise that they're not just talking to a journalist or they're talking to someone who's done something similar to what they have. For the most part, I find that people kind of just or rock stars or whatever, whatever you want to call them just kind of like break break character a little bit, break kayfabe, if you will. Yeah. And, and you know, I just... Because my favourite thing is, and it's a prominent thing with the podcast, is I care more about 
cool, funny stories that happened to you than your new album, right? Like, cool, awesome, you've got a new album, amazing. But tell me about the time that you were, like, fucking childhood happy that you were standing next to somebody that you thought you'd never get a chance. And then yeah. we had, like, for example, Simon <laughs> Neal from Biffy Clyro. He came on previously, and I said to him, I was like, can you remember a time when you were like, oh, the, what the fuck's going on here? And he was like, oh, yeah, I was on stage at the MTV Awards in Europe playing Crazy Train um, while Ozzy sat in front of me at the awards, right? And then he was like, <laughs> and then he went, and then I turned to my left and Slash was playing the solo. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's fucking mental. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, we just get people on and we talk to them. Well, I just talk to them, you know, like they're the same as me and the bell end as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And getting to hear some of them stories and behind the scenes things, and it's just awesome. It's really it's cool. I love doing it. And, I, and it also has given me a love for music again because prior to it, I was kind like I was telling you beforehand, like when the Blackout split up, I was genuinely like, well, well, that's all music's done now, and because I'm finished with it. So. Um, that's a god complex. I just realised I've got a god complex. Um, yeah, the lights, the lights are out in every town I'm not in. Um, so yeah, so for a bit I was like, oh, this fuck music. I don't give a shit, whatever. And then it was like the podcast, and Ryan Richards invited me to see um, a band called Holding Absence. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're very, very popular. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and. Um, uh, yeah, he invited me to go and see them play in Cardiff in the Globe, and I went down, and I was like, oh, like, like the fucking grumpy old man that I'd become over a couple of months or whatever. I was like, here we go, let's go and have a look at this bloody kids playing music, is it? It's going to be fucking <laughs> awful, I bet. And um, I saw early days of, like, the blackout, the early days of Funeral for a Friend, the early days of Kids in Glass Houses in that show. Like, I could see the kids loved holding absence and ad- holding absence loved those kids not like that but in the best possible way and it was amazing and it literally made me go oh <laughs> like, stupid oh my god people carried on this is fucking brilliant <laughs> and then I, I felt the podcast and seeing them and stuff like made me fall back in love with music and then I, I started up with us and um, yeah released four songs and here we are and then I was invited as a guest on my favourite podcast with people who brought out a hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking pinnacle of your career right here and there. Right now. With with um with the blackout finishing, bro, I know we we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. Like but it's all good, yeah. I love that podcast. Like honestly, like because I, I obviously know your history and I know the band and I've played gigs with the band and stuff like that. And you were so honest and I think it was refreshing for me to hear that because um, there's many, many, never mind South Walian fucking musicians who were struggling. There's musicians everywhere struggling. And you were, yeah. like like you said, all right, you joke, oh, I got an ego, I got this or whatever. You were fucking front cover, Kerrang. You have had fucking massive success, which we'll, we'll, we, we will we'll dive into all those great stories. But it was brilliant to hear, like on that podcast, you go in, I was fucking miserable. This fucking cut me up. Like you don't realize, because oh, yeah. well, there's no after therapy when a band finishes. There's no fucking after therapy. There's no. no. It's all of a sudden well, you, you you know you're going through everything and then it's like ta da, you're fucking on your own. Yeah. Like. Well, 
I think, I think, yeah, like you said, like I touched on it in episodes one and two. One was about the end and why and how it all came about and what we did after. And yeah, and number two then was like all the good times we had in the blackout. But like episode yes. one was really, really difficult to record. Like I remember being close to tears a few times um, because, yeah, you, yeah, like you said, there's no aftercare for bands, right? And in those episodes, I mentioned that as stupid as it sounds, there should be something to offer musicians after they leave bands or their bands split up or anything like that because I was just lost. I just didn't know what to do. Um, and, you know, being one of the punk men of the band as well, I felt, well, because I was the only one who wanted to kind of carry on with the black at the time, I was like, oh, well, it's me then. Like, those five don't want to be in a bit like I want to fucking carry on and just do this. But then, you know, obviously, like, I realized that, you know, it's not, it wasn't, it got to the point where it was kind of like, wasn't financially feasible to, to carry on being the blackout without us all getting full-time jobs and becoming a weekend band. And none of us wanted that for the band. We didn't want to be one of those bands that just kind of like, fades. Just let's just knock it on the head now while, you know, while we can see what's happening. So, yeah, I was lost and I didn't know what to do. And boys, you'd be surprised how many people who are there when you're doing well mm. disappear when you're not doing well. And that includes like promoters who I know we made hundreds of thousands of pounds for. Um, so basically, before the week before we announced we were splitting up, <clears throat> we got offered to go to um, a radio station to go and play acoustically for the presenter. So, um, as usual, um, I agreed with them to do it. We went and did it. So then I asked the presenter, I was like, oh, I really want to get into um, radio DJing or something like that. And they were like, oh, yeah, come follow me around. We, you know, you can come here and, and, and do all this. And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. week later, we announced that we were splitting up. And... I text our radio presenter probably five or six times over the next five or six months and never got a reply. Mm -hmm. I got a reply off that radio presenter, right? February of last year, when they realized, uh, remember those mass, like mass flooding and like, yeah. and, Pont yeah, yeah. and Pontypris was fucking like underwater. Mm. It was the new Atlantis yeah. or whatever. Um, where <laughs> this radio presenter got in touch this radio presenter got in touch and was like, oh, um, any chance you get the blackout back together and come and play for this thing? And I was like, no. And I then I found out it was like a show, as, almost as if like that, that person's name was like, presents this. I was like, you just wanted to make yourself look like a fucking hero again. Like, mm. you, you dangled the carrot in front of me of this potential job that I would have absolutely have loved and I would have... I literally said to them, I said, I'll do anything. I'll bring you cups of tea. I'll clean your desks. I'll do anything you want as long as I can come and, like, get involved. And, yeah, they got back to me, like, five years later asking, um, oh, is there any chance you the black would do an acoustic gig for this thing that I'm putting on? And I was like, I, do you know what? I nearly, I nearly, I can't, I can't do it now because, um, because of my band or whatever, but I nearly set a timer five years from that moment she texts me to text her back just saying no because yeah. um, it took her, it took them five years to get back to me like so 
Yeah. Oh, it's fucking yeah, awful, so, like, yeah. So yeah, there was like loads of people who were like promoters and radio people and PR people that I went to and asked could I do anything. I got in touch with one promoter and I said, Can I come work for you? I'll literally do anything. He said, Oh, what do you want to do? I was like, anything. I'll make tea for everyone. I will literally start at the bottom and do anything till you know, till I'm a promoter or whatever. And they said to me, oh, unless you know specifically what you want to do, I can't offer you a job. And I was, and all I could think was, you fucking business has literally been kept afloat uh, for some months off the back of money my band has previously made it like. But yeah, mm. so, and as, as anyone watching this can tell, I'm obviously still, still massively bitter about it, right? But that's how it is. Like, that's how it is. Like, one minute, I was literally... Like you said, I fucking ate brag. Like, I ate bragging about something. But like, like you said, we were fucking front cover of Kerrang! Five times, I think it was, right? We had yep. a couple of yep. top 30... We had a couple of top 30 albums. And then, all of a sudden, all of that's gone. And nobody, you know, nobody wants anything to do with us anymore or whatever. And unless they can somehow use our connections. That's what I think. But yeah, it was just, it's just a nightmare. And just see all these people that you thought, like, I thought we were friends. And it's like, yeah. oh no, we were just acquaintances while you just made money and I brought was, people to a venue. It was Could a great see... era. Go on, sorry, Shane, go on. No, go on, bud. You say by the year. I was going to say it was a great, great era for music and you guys were, you were slaying it. Um, I mean, we, we, you know, we'll talk more about the albums, but especially like the later ones, Best in Town. Um, those were the ones that I resonated with. Um, yeah. Where I started going, fucking hell, they got some, they got hits by you. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, and then you'd see the videos on TV. And I, I, I don't think people, they, they quite grasp that. Because um, I remember saying to someone before, uh, having a video on, on, on fucking Kerrang! And litter picking at the same point and hiding from fucking school buses and stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Because you want to yeah. keep our fucking persona back in, but it was almost like, Fuck, it was such a mind fuck because you're, you're trying to build a reputation. But you boys were at a completely different level again where you were touring the world. Um, you had you were working with the best bookers. You were working with, you know what I mean? Everybody top of your game, that's that's yeah. where you were. So that's just kind of just putting a quick kind of scenario for anybody watching going, right, well, why is he so down about it? Because like you said, all of a sudden... <laughs> No, but it's true, isn't it? All of a sudden, yeah. you know, the boys say, right, we've had enough, and you're like, fuck, I still want to go. Right, okay, fucking radio, okay, right, promoting, magazines, let's fucking have you. And you would have had all the connections, Sean. That's why I want everybody yeah. to know that. You would have had a phone full of fucking connections of everybody you met. So it is it is hard, man. That's why when I listened to that first podcast, I was like, fuck, I can hear you by you. And, and, and like I said, there's so many other people out there who have similar stories or they haven't got as far as that and it was almost like you were so honest about it you could have bullshitted and gone i'm fucking grand yeah i'm sitting yeah. there sitting in my fucking mansion at the moment things are not happening um but it's all right i'll get a new band off the ground and we'll be fucking massive and but yeah. you were just so honest about it like but you know? yeah so, but that's the thing i think but well that's the thing because i was lied like not lied to but like i thought it was like a, just a dream you know, like 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 you see and you think about rock stars, you just think you know they're rock stars forever and that's 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 cool. Well, rock stars used to be rock stars forever, didn't they? Like you know, yeah. They, but now, 
it's such a quick turnover or whatever. But yeah, it's just again, it's people you don't expect as well. It's like the people who were really, really lovely, and you were like, ah, they're they're always going to be there. And then it was them, the the, the were the surprising ones, really. like the ones I expected to piss off right away. But most of them left, but then some of them still, you know, still hung about. But yeah, it was just the the ones you thought were good guys. That was that was the thing, and I think that's why I said like. There should be some sort of aftercare for bands because, yeah, I was fucking I, me personally. I was lost. Like I just didn't know what. Because basically, if you look at my fucking CV, right, it goes six GCSEs at C and above, if that, right. I don't even know, right. C, I definitely get maths, right. So <laughs> six six GCSEs, then I went McDonald's, right. Then four of oh, then Argos. I did a Christmas at Argos. Then four of the blackout. Four of the blackout worked in the same castle bingo place in Merthyr Tidville, right? And the crazy thing about that is one of us was a caller, right? Bear in mind the lineup in Castle Bingo was me, Gavin, the other front man, Matthew plays guitar, and Reese was the bassist, right? So the four of us were in Castle Bingo. You'd think me or Gavin are going to be the caller then, because they're the front men. <laughs> no, it was Matthew, the one with the worst diction, right? He literally <laughs> sounded like he was talking through soup at all times, right? <laughs> and then, so my CV was like Castle Bingo. If you look at it now, it's Castle Bingo. Disappeared for 13 years. Turned <laughs> up again. Started working with Matthew Pritchard. That's what he did. It's, it's, it's mad. It's like I just disappeared for 13 years to look at my CV, but I was actually touring the world and meeting my heroes. Like, so yeah. Wow. I'm not. Like, don't get me wrong. I've loved. I've loved everything I've had, and I'm super grateful. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for the podcast I've gone now. So um, yeah. yeah, just getting into it. You know, I live my life, and yeah. All of my musical heroes are I am friendly with in some way or another, which is mad to say. That's incredible, bud. So Blackout formed in two thousand and three. Yeah. Four we albums. In, yeah, we we called Ten Minute Preview prior to that. There was five of us in the band. We called Ten Minute Preview, which I don't know if you remember, at twelve o'clock on some Sky channels up the fucking dark numbers, you know, up the fucking eight nine nines and that. Yeah. Um, 12 o'clock, they'd give you a 10 minute preview, which was 10 minutes of pre-hits, really, wasn't it? So we were like, oh, we're boys, it's called a 10 minute preview. And then, so we did that for a bit. We were dreadful. And then Bob joined the band, so we decided we need to change the name. So we changed the name to Blackout in 2003. And yeah, we never, we were, strangely, we were one of the few bands in that 13 year period to not like change a member. Like we'd never. Added or like you know taken well I suppose we added Bob to ten minute preview but the blackout was always the same six guys for those thirteen years so um yeah we started that we brought out an EP called the blackout the blackout the blackout we literally called it that because we imagined a guy on TV saying add the new EP from the blackout called the blackout the blackout the blackout just so we'd have to <laughs> say it really quick I might muddle it up. That literally, if you go back, right, and watch a lot of the Blackout stuff or song titles or lyrics or stuff like this, we did it for a fucking laugh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We headlined, 
Right, here's a fucking, here's a brag. We are one of four unsigned bands, right, to ever headline and sell out the London Astoria. It's not there, it's not there no more, so ha, try and do that one. Um, <laughs> we were one of the four to, um, yeah, to sell that out. And then, uh, I can't remember my point was, I started my brag and then, oh yeah, oh that's it, Yeah, the black was fun, yeah. Our money that we earned from our one headlining gig we spent all of that money they were giving us on ramps for that gig, right? We had Snoz, was so high in here, I ran up to see him once at the beginning of the set. I was like, bro, I, I, I'm not going to for the rest of the set. I can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent, we spent like two and a half to three grand on ramps just to make the gig look better for people. And that's literally been a running theme with the blackout. Like, just have a laugh and... Yeah, like loads of song titles are like jokes from films or lines from cartoons or like the black of the black of the blackout was just so some numpty would have to say it fast three times. Um, but yeah, like our our main premise was try and have fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, to the point where towards the end we had a massive backdrop that said fuck the blackout on it that we would <laughs> use. Because what could you say to a band if a band's coming out and is telling you that's already, right? <laughs> what can you say or do to him? You can't <laughs> fuck off. I just fucking I I think I've written on there, mind. You need to tell me <laughs> I've written on a paper. You fucking idiots. But that's the thing, who it's came, like we always who just came up with that don't... idea. Was that your idea or was that, I'd was imagine, that all of it? Yeah, I'd imagine so, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, on the one tour that we had to do then we had to like tape up uh, fuck because uh, they didn't want swearing on it and then um, yeah we just we fucking loved the laugh like we just and I think that's why a lot of people were drawn to us I think because it was as much as some of the music is good some of the music mind I'm not blowing my own completely some of the music is good it was also I like to think our live experience we were a fantastic live band I'll admit that now I wouldn't admit it at the time we're a fantastic live band. It would be funny in between songs, and you'd always have a, you'd always leave there having a good time. I like to think, and um, yeah, I think that's where where we got to to the point where like, sorry, I've talked for so long, but um, we did the Kerrang tour once. We got asked to fill in for um, some forty one because you know someone in the blackout. That's exactly the same, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So we got asked to fill in for some 41. So we decided what we'd do is we'd come on to Elton John. Sorry seems to be the hardest word, right? Bear in mind, this tour sold out months in advance, right? And this is a month or two prior to it. Derek Wibley is... Uh, some 41 have dropped out. We have replaced them, right? So we're going on to sorry seems to be the hardest word by Elton John. So he's going, um, so sad, so sad. And then he starts saying that he's sorry or whatever. And then he would stop and I'd go, I'm super sorry with a word. Uh, I'm super sorry with not some 41. And then we'd start our song, I'm a riot, you're a fucking riot, right? As soon as we finished that song, we'd go, only joking, we are some 41. And then we do all of Fat Lip, right? Because we knew any some 41 fan who was there was busting the fucking your Fat Lip, right? So let's fucking do it. So we literally went on our tour, and people were like, I fucking hate this band. And we'd start, and I'd be like, ah, we're not some 41. 
I fucking up you guts. And then <laughs> and then we do a forty one song and everyone will be like geniuses. Funny. I like it. I like it. But that's but that's literally the running theme of us was have a fucking laugh. Let's do something fun. Yeah. Let's have a laugh. Yeah. That's fucking did- amazing, but I love that. I love that. Oh, be that huh? So you got you got the tour like instead of seven forty one. Obviously, is that what yeah. is is that what kicked you off? Is that where where you were? You oh, and the no, boys were like, you know, this is happening. Like you know, no, that was that was later on. I was um the the first big gig the Blackout ever played was supporting. Funeral for a friend in Blackwood Miners, upstairs in Blackwood Miners. <laughs> that was our first ever big show. And I was like, what's us? Probably seven to eight, 900 capacity, something like that. I don't know, I haven't been yeah. here for years. I don't think I've been here since that gig, actually. And then our second gig, oh, here we go. Our second big gig then, right, was supporting Avenge Sevenfold, right, in Manchester Academy. Where and this is this is showing you exactly how long ago this was, right? I had a t-shirt made. <laughs> what a twat! <laughs> Sold out show to Event Sevenfold. I was like, boys, we're gonna be fucking famous after this one gig. For some reason, I was like, we're gonna be the biggest band in the world after this one gig. I had a t-shirt with my MySpace address <laughs> put on the t-shirt, right? And if you know anything about me, and a lot of these people the watching is probably don't and that's for the best um all my social media names i have literally done them i have made them thinking this social media platform will never ever take off right so it doesn't fucking matter what my username is right so so now on on twitter i've got sean smith sucks because again what could you say to me like sure you suck yeah i know it says my name like that's it I win. <laughs> Sean Smith sucks. Instagram, I got fake Sean Smith, right? Both of those means both of those names I cannot get verified because of, right? <laughs> <laughs> my MySpace, right? I bear in mind, this is on a T-shirt for the Event Sevenfold gig. I ended up not wearing because it came back and printers all fucking lopsided. MySpace.com forward slash sexy sexy Sean. <laughs> And I went on, I was like, right, I'm going to be king of Manchester. I'm going to wear this t-shirt on stage. I'm going to have everybody follow me. I'm going to be the king of the goths. Nah. But, um... Look, the next yeah, day, it's just a... Tom. It's just you and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> still just Tom, Elizabeth. Still Tom. Still Tom and my band members, my top eight. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, after that event, Sevenfold gig, I was, like, convinced. I was like, you, we fucking all going to be massive. Nothing came after that. Um... I'm trying to think what was... I think, to be honest, what really, really helped us um, was touring with Lost Profits. I genuinely think um, they were my heroes prior to me being in a band. Um, and then we got a tour with them. And, yeah, it was amazing because they just loved having us about for a laugh. We loved playing yeah. to their audience. Um, we loved it to the. We loved them to the point right? they had a song called "Cold Blue Sky," which is one of my favourite Lost Prophet songs. Right? They stopped playing it. Right? <laughs> so the blackout was opening a set with the intro "Cold Blue Sky," right, and yeah. then just going into our own song. Like, think, 
imagine going to see Guns N' Roses, right? And some band before them starts playing Sweet Child of Mine, and you're like, what the fuck? What's going on? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we so yeah, we were just uh, we were on tour with Lost Prophets, and they were just fucking amazing. They were amazing to us, and they were amazing times. And yeah, I was on tour with my heroes, who then literally became. We ended up being like traveling brothers, like it was twelve of us, six in each band, just traveling the fucking world, hanging out with our Russian, with our Merthyr and Ponty accents, fucking traveling the world, like. Um, but yeah, I think they were, um, they were a big help with us getting to where we got to. So um, was that, yeah, I, so was I, that I, the point when you when you toured with those boys and you thought, fuck, this is it, this is full time now, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think so. When. Because they always say about that put... roller coaster, don't they? When you're in a band, like, do you know what I mean? You get that, oh, you get that yeah. momentum roller coaster, and but yeah, it's up and it's down. And then when you're fucking off it, like, why did I get off that? So yeah. here's my tip for you, boys: never quit. So <laughs> if you could, that's probably for the best for your mental health as well. Yeah, so it's exactly like a roller coaster. It's the highest highs. Yeah, you know, touring my heroes, and then like the lowest lows of like. We nearly missed Christmas one year because um, uh, our manager or our accountant didn't send the bus uh, bus company the money to pay for the bus. So it was Boxing Day. Was it Boxing Day? Either Boxing Day or the day before Boxing Day. We were in Belgium and the bus driver pulled over and was like, oh, boys, can't take you any, can't take, can't go any further. And we were like, what? Why? He's like, oh, the owner just told me I'm not allowed to move the bus until we get paid. And we were like, that should have been done. Surely that should have been done. But yeah, so we nearly spent Christmas in Belgium. Um, what are the lows? Oh, we were in London, the day of the London bombings. Do you remember them? July yeah. 7th or whatever that was. We went to yeah. see a comedian the night before, right, in Camden. And um, he's a comedian in the alternative circuit now. His name's Andrew O'Neill. And um, we met him at the Krang Awards years later. But that night, the night before, he made a joke saying London will never, ever be involved in a terrorist attack. Um, and then the next day, we literally woke up the next morning and there'd been a terrorist attack. We were sleeping outside the Highbury, we were sleeping outside the Highbury garage in our van at the time. Um, so, yeah, and then... Well, I suppose another massive low is then fucking um, finding out that fucking what Ian did, you know, Ian's fucking yeah. disgusting crimes. That was a fucking big low, especially for me because I was quite close to him. Um, not, not towards the end, like the last two years, we hadn't really spoken, but, you know, I was there. I was just there, just there in bed, December the 12th. December the 12th? Yeah, December, I think it was December 12th, 2012, when I had a text off Reese from the Blackout to say Watkins was on the news. And I was like, oh, he's dead. It's a drug overdose or something. And then it came out about what his terrible, fucking awful crimes were. And I was fucking heartbroken for everybody else, bar him, obviously, because fuck him yeah. into the ground forever. Whereas yeah. the other five boys in our band, you know, the fucking poor bastard. They've they're tarnished with it to this day. 
Yeah. You know, just being yeah. abandoned with him. Even though none of them, and I swear, I believe that absolutely nobody else did. Um, he was so fucking secretive. He was a fucking prick. And yeah, the other five of those boys deserve fucking gold medals. Gold fucking... Here's one. For anybody who's interested in any of this stuff, any of the Lost Prophets stuff, um, on my podcast, Sapman Podcast, we Stu Richardson from Lost Prophets. And that was the first... That's the first conversation any of them have had with anything like that, I guess. Like any sort of media or journalism. I'll never call myself a journalist, but that was the first um, opening up of one of Lost Prophets since. And there's a story on there about a time about a time that Ian missed a show on Warp Tour and Stuart beat him up and then battered him with a can of monster, right? And what you've got to think is, that's for missing one show on Warp Tour, right? That genuinely probably wouldn't have mattered. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just... Some of them walk to shows are throwaway shows, right? You're playing to nobody. You're on the same time as the fucking local band. You're fucked, right? He missed the show and still battered him, battered him with Anna Monster. So imagine, imagine if any of those boys had known what he was fucking doing. They've all got kids and they battered him for just missing the show. So imagine what he was doing, you know, you know what he was convicted of. But not just, like, they battered for that, anyone would, rightly so. But the fact you've lost a legacy, you've lost everything, you've lost all the record sales you've ever done are now wiped because they've got this fucking asterisk next to it because of this fucking prick. So, yeah, check out episode 52 of Sapling Podcast. It's a good one. It was mind-blowing. It's an emotional one. I listened to it. It was really like, wow. Um, and I think for a lot of us, especially in the music um, scene, who wasn't as close like you were close with the boys, the band, um, yeah. it, it was kind of, it was nice to hear some of the stuff because it was like, it made you feel even fucking mm. more sorry for the boys and more yeah. champion them, like, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like you just said, but it wasn't the the fucking hideous crime and, and, and the disgustingness that he fucking done. It was the, the legacy ruin for other people's yeah, lives. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, Morgan's, it's, it's, Morgan's just correcting you, but they're sorry. Episode 54, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> former, co- former co-host of the podcast, Morgan Richard. <laughs> and he's a man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa! Get it off! Get it off! <laughs> but no, you, it's... I'm so um, sorry. He didn't. Um, he didn't realize. Well, he, he wouldn't think of what he's done. But it's the fact of all those those songs, the tunes. Um, you know, they were part of such a massive scene, and and now, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to mention that band's name. Like, do you know what I mean? It, no, it shouldn't well, be. A... That's one of the nice things that's come out of the podcast is after we did that episode because I just wanted it out because I wanted fucking other people to hear their side of the story. Because, but like Stu, like Stu says on the podcast, they never came out and talked about it because they didn't see themselves as victims. Because you know, like obviously the fucking terrible crimes that fucking Ian committed, they've got genuine victims. But the boys didn't see themselves as victims, and they don't realise that they fucking were, because they've lost what, you know, what's the fucking legacy? Like literally, you can't. You know, I know some of them have smashed their gold discs. They've got fucking gold discs, like, and they've yeah. smashed them up. 
It's fucking meant like it's you can't have it up anyway. You can't have it in. Do you know what I mean? Like they've all got kids and stuff. You can't put a. It's just fucking horrible. And one of the nice things we've me and Morgan have viewed back is that people have thanked us for like making lost profits slightly less of a dirty word in a way then because it made us realize that there was fucking five others like it was five others and then we did an episode with luke johnson then um morgan will type in the chat what episode um number that was and he was the um he was lost profit's last drummer and he literally joined them and was literally on his like proper first wage with them and then it happened so he'd left Fuck. everything from being a session drummer to being like, we want you in the band. And I got him in the band and then it happened. So they were all fucking, like, every single one of them had their fucking legs chopped from under them by that fucking prick. And um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But to see them all now coming back and doing different things and, like, Stu's in, uh, Stu and Lee are in no devotion. Uh, thank you very much. More episode 72 of Sapping Podcast with Sean Smith is Luke Johnson's episode. Um, he knows every episode. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, they, it was just, it's just been horrible. It's, we don't need to see him again, man. That's, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so it was just fucking, it was fucking horrible for him. But I just want people to realise that it, it was one fucking twat. It was one bastard who did all this. Like, he wasn't any of the other five. And it's nice to see, like, no devotion, uh, coming back, um, I know Mike and his wife are doing very, very well. Um, Jamie's painting his fucking like. Check out yeah. Jamie from Lost Profits is painting. Richard yeah, Jamie Oliver goes by. It's fucking unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was. It's kind of, kind of watching. Hopefully, a phoenix rise from the ashes. I think of um, what was formerly, you know, my favorite. Well, de- yeah, definitely one of my three favourite bands of all time, like Lost Profits. Um, so, yeah. Sorry about that. Why is it taking it down the fucking no, stand? No, no, fucking... no it's, it's honest, man. And I mean, for anybody watching who didn't, didn't know, I mean, I know, even though we live not close together, but we're not far, like, do you know what I mean? Everything yeah. gets wrong really quick. And and I know you had a lot of shit for that, personally, you know, and I didn't know you well enough but to pick up a phone or, or say, are you all right? No, but all right. I okay. hope a lot of people did, because I know, um, you know, just because you're mates with somebody, um, they don't realise that you didn't speak to him for so long, as, you, as you've addressed that and you've said in your podcast. Um, yeah. And that must have been fucking horrible as well, then, people asking you loads of questions or people... Well, um, well, you must have known. You must have fucking known. Do you know, you know well, what I this, mean? Asking... Yeah, this is the thing. I think because we we were also like everybody in the blackout, so fucking blown away by it to find it out that we like didn't even consider for a second that anybody would be like, well, you fucking knew him because you were friends with him, or you must have fucking known because you toured with him and all that stuff. It's like, what? I wasn't going into his fucking bedroom. Like we we didn't sleep in fucking bunk beds. What do you mean? Like, this is fucking madness. But, yeah, um, so I didn't think it, it affected us. And then I remember a couple of months later, like, I could kind of see the blackout wasn't doing as well as we were previously then, shall, shall I say. And then I spoke to an editor of a, a, a big rock publication, and I said, um, do you think do you think the, the Watkins, like, rub as... Um, got anything to do with it and he said yeah I think so yeah 
And then, yeah, I think it, like you said earlier, we had a fucking amazing, absolutely amazing scene. We might have at other time some of like, the best top five bands from a country or something. Like, it was fucking mental. Like, there was a time when it was, like, fucking Lost Profits, Fool for a Friend, Bull of My Valentine, Kids in Glass Houses, The Blackout. Um, it was just fucking... It was just mental at the time. Like, and it's just four bands from fucking... Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like a 60-mile fucking idiot. It's just... It's nuts. Mm. And then, all of a sudden, it was all fucking tarnished. The one fucking sick prick's actions. And... Yeah, I think we all, all of those bands, whether they will admit it or not, I believe all of those bands were tarnished by that one man's actions. Sadly. Yeah, you bang on, because you've got the Seattle scene, you've got the LA scene, as they talk about and stuff like that. It was happening. I mean, every label, as you know, Sean, were looking in Wales for whatever band. It didn't fucking matter. Yeah. If you could pick up an instrument and you had half a tune... They were looking at you, like, because it was just like, what's in the water down there? Like, do you know what I mean? And who can we have next? Who's going to be the next prophet? Who's going to be the next funeral for a friend? Who's going to be the next Paulette? And so on, so on. Like, so I, I know what you mean, but it was like a real buzz. Um, there was a lot happening TV-wise with the Pop Factory. The festivals were banging you. Um, yeah. And then they're all just kind of, I know what you mean, but all the, all the foundations start crumbling. And then, yeah. and it's like, oh, what's going on up in Scotland? Um, let's, let's fucking yeah, let's get away it was, yeah. it's fucking mad yeah, like, and, um, it was, yeah, it was a strange run it happened as well streaming did happen so that that did I don't know yeah, it's a fucking happened. weird one yeah. Um, yeah it was strange it's like yeah like because I was like fucking Lost Profits were like the first kind of like rock band I was an indie band I saw live I saw them playing downstairs in Blackwood Miners Institute and I was like, this is fucking nuts. These people are battering each other in a pit and smiling. What's going on? I want this. I want this. I want to make this my life. And then I went to, like, Funeral for Friends. I missed the first ever gig. I went to the next three gigs in a row to the point where I travelled with them in Van der Hereford and Salisbury and all these fucking mad places. So I was literally, like, I, I was a massive, massive fanboy of these bands. Like, Funeral and Law Office were... Two bands I just fucking loved and looked up to. And then when I got a chance to tour with them, that was like a fucking dream come true. And then I was like, oh, just where the dream ends then. I toured these two bands now. That'll do. That'll do, pig. And um, and then it, it kept going. And I got to travel and I got to go to countries that my dad would never see. And, um, yeah, it's just mad, isn't it? It's just it's fucking bunkers, like. But yeah, it took you everywhere, but didn't it? Um, Australia as well. Oh, big fan of Australia. Um, yeah, Australia, Japan, um, States, Canada, uh, all over Europe. Uh, Brilliant. Greece, Linkin Park. That's the first time I went to Greece. We played Linkin Park's first ever show in Greece, right? Which... If, say, now those damn crows of the blackout were playing in Greece, right, we'd be playing, I don't know, 200, 500 capacity club, if that. Um, Linkin Park's first gig in Greece was 18,000 people. <laughs> Smashing plates everywhere, fuck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't fucking move for a mess. Like a Welsh, yeah. yeah. Can't fucking move for a mess, but the fucking, <laughs> oh, chickpea-tastic it was. 
Can't do the Newport <laughs> helicopter for fuck all. Like that. <laughs> uh, that's uh, incredible, but I mean, that's that's pinch yourself moments when you're fucking touring with bands like that, bro. I mean, who else? Who else has it been? Um, well, the real reason I got into alternative rock music, well, basically, before I was into rock music, I was into indie, so I liked Stereophonics. The word gets around their first album is one of the best debut albums of all time, in my opinion. It's also one of the greatest emo albums, but people don't even realise it's an emo album. They just yeah. go, oh, it's a fucking indie band. If you listen to it, it's fucking singing about his friend yeah. dying and, um, on a train line. Um so I, I was into the phonics and I was into happy hardcore. Nobody's expecting that, were they? Yeah. Yeah, love it. Massive fan. Um, big fan of RPR. Still to this day, I'll go, I'm up for a rave. If you fancy a rave after, suppose we'll knock this off, we'll go for a rave. Um, <laughs> but then but then I heard um, Mr. Frederick Durst. Um, of the Limp Bizkits, and I heard him swear 46 times in the song Hot Dog. <laughs> and he was, he said fuck 46 times, and then he was shouting as well. And I was like, oh, I could do both of those things. This might be a career. I could do this. So then I got into Limp Bizkit, and like Limp Bizkit were, well, they were the biggest band in the world at the time, I think. And they were for a while. It's mad, isn't it? They were the biggest band in the world, Limp Bizkit. And then um, in 2012, the Blackout had, um, after oh, we covered uh, one of their songs called My Generation for a Kerrang! magazine, um, which they never heard. And then um, 2012, we got a phone call off our booking agent saying, do you fancy losing 18 grand by going on tour with Limp Bizkit? And we said, uh, of course we do, yeah, of course we do. You nutter, let us. Let's let's start in the red and see where we go from there. In the red with Fred. Oh, that's the podcast. Yeah. In the red with Fred. Um, oh, that's the new T-shirt, man. Yeah, and then yeah, we ended up going on tour with Limp Bizkit, which was proper childhood like fucking dreams come true. They would go on stage, right? They'd play five songs, right? And you'd be like, fucked. They can't play anymore. They're like, surely they're out of it. And then they'd play another 10 songs that would make any rock club go fucking mad, right? So every night I was like, I can't believe this. Um, and yeah, it got to the point where they we watched every set and they, they hadn't played the song Counterfeit, which is my favourite Limp Bizkit song from when I was fucking... Well, yeah, when I first found them, I guess, I went back and I, I found out I fucking literally adored that song. So I wrote a letter to, um, to Limp Bizkit while on tour with them. Dear Limp Bizkit, um, the blackout year, you might remember us from the last 12 shows. Um, we have never seen you play the Rock Mosh Anthem Campit live. If there's any chance of you playing it, um, that'd be amazing. If not, no worries. Thanks for the tour. Um, uh, enjoy the show tonight from the blackout or whatever. Give it Fred's absolutely giant bodyguard. Um, and then I went back to my dressing room and then there's a knock on the door and Gabe came and Gabe is Fred's personal assistant and he said, Limbisky, we'll see you downstairs. And I was like, uh-oh, I fucking hate it when people ask us to play old stuff. So um, we walked down, all of us. He was like, oh, you all got to come down. I was like, oh, you've been kicked off there now for being like, oh, play fucking old. It's not true. <laughs> but, um, 
<laughs> so we get inside the stage, and today Fred turns and he's like, um, like we'll do counterfeit. And I was like, yes. He's like, but you gotta sing it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I like Fuck. that. I like that. So I got a wireless microphone, right? And then in his middle, I'm giving away. Here's some behind-the-scenes Limp Bizkit secrets. Now, in the middle of his monitors, he'll have three monitors on the stage. The middle one is a fucking auto-cue, right? Oh. Well, as he described it, the old man TV, right? <laughs> so he said to me, I use where I get, like, proper 12-year-old virgin. No, I'm not a virgin! Type stuff, right? He says, if you need it, the words are on the old man TV. And I stepped over him, right? And I went, I was born to do this. <laughs> Deadpan, I meant it like I genuinely meant it. I was like, I was fucking born to do And then I proceeded to do a Fred Durst impression at Fred Durst for another four minutes, right? While we did the song. And then when we finished, I was like, well, that's the be- best moment of my fucking life. I just performed Limp Biscuit with Limp Biscuit. And then as we were walking off stage, Fred was like, oh, don't get too drunk tonight, boy. Uh, I was going to do the voice then. Um, don't get too d- drunk tonight before the show because we're going to do that. And I was like, what? And now there's a video on YouTube. If you type in Limp Bizkit, The Blackout, there's a video of me and Gavin doing Fred Durst impressions to Fred Durst while Bob is standing next to Wes Boland who's dressed up as a monkey priest, um, <laughs> just riffing away. And it's fucking literally, I think all of the, it's had like 10,000 views. I reckon 9,999 9, views of me watching it back. <laughs> because I fucking love it. It's mad. To, like, I watch it, right? And I go, that's fucking mental. Because I have this weird thing, right? Say now I'm looking at a Kerrang poster that's got the blackout on, right? I recognise five other guys, right? The other one's the blonde tit, right? But the other, the, that blonde tit is me. But I just don't recognise it as me because I don't see my face all the time. Like, but I see the other fight. So I watch that video back, and I'm like, I can't believe Gavin, who I know is the there singing with Fred this. That's fucking mental. <laughs> and I'm there. And I'm there. But yeah, um, yeah, so like, befriended wow. them. That was fucking mad. Um, uh, we played Duff from Guns N' Roses, which nobody expected. He, um, that's a good story. We were in Australia, and, um, our tour manager, Luke Bell, he previously tour managed Duff's, I think it's Duff McKagan Loaded or whatever they're called. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we would go in. We got asked, do we want to go and see Chris Jericho and Scotty and doing spoken word? So we were like, yeah, cool. Yeah, me and my friend Scott will go. Scott's from Merthyr. And um, he came over to Soundwave with us because the fellow who owns Soundwave, AJ, was like, oh, bring some text, man. You know, we pay for it anyway. So I was like, oh, fucking brilliant. I'd take my best friend from Merthyr, who's, if anybody asks, he's a Sean Tech. He's got to get me yeah. to a stage, like. Um, <laughs> so me and fucking Scott, we get in this fucking van, right, outside our hotel in Melbourne, I think it was. And um, we get in this van, all of a sudden, fucking Duff McKagan sits, sits in between us. Like, what the fuck is going on there? And he goes, um, where are you from, eh, boys? Not that accent, like he's not, he's not, he's not from fucking Rumney. Um, oh, but oh, but where are you fucking from, man? Um, so he said, Oh, where he said, Oh, where, where are you from, boys? And I was like, Oh, South Wales. And he was like, Where are you from? And I went, 30 miles north of Cardiff. You'll never, you, you wouldn't have heard of it. And he went, Where are you from? And I went, 
Mercer to go. And he went, I've read a book called Dilem for Mercer. And I went, wow. fuck off. <laughs> fuck off of you. And, um, yeah, so we started talking about that. Then I started to explain to him the first album I ever bought on cassette. Um, cassettes, for anybody watching who's under the age of 30, um, were a music uh, medium. Um, so uh, I bought Use Illusion 2 because it had a parental advisory sticker on it and I wanted to read the word fuck. Bear in mind, this is pre-internet, right? And I didn't have any adult books because I was a child, right? So <laughs> I literally bought this album to read the word fuck in print. like just. <gasps> and I told this story to Duff and Duff was like, that's the same reason I bought my first album. And I was like, this is fucking mad. <laughs> and then we ended up going to this thing and it was super sold out. Massive queue up the stairs, right? Not when you're with fucking Duff from Guns N' Roses. But literally, we walked past everybody who was waiting to get into that crowd. They were fucking tamping at us. I just, yep, passed through on the stairs. Ta-da, but I'm up. Yeah. We walked in. They put give us the table in the very front row. So literally, Chris Jericho's constantly just there. And then Scotty from Anthrax comes and he's there. And then, um, so they finish. And Duff's like, oh, do you want to come backstage? And... Say hello. I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. Yeah, just, oh, I just settled and then do that now. Yeah, whatever, we can do whatever you want. Um, me and Scott went backstage, right? We shouldn't have been allowed in this room. It was me, Duff McKagan from the Guns N' Roses, uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax, Chris Jericho from Fozzy and WWE fame, and Kerry King from Slayer. <laughs> Two boys from Merthyr. Um, and then four rock stars and uh, we were just like I just remember turning to Scott going we just shouldn't be in this room we like I think we should go um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so we befriended Duff um, that was mad and uh, yeah to the point where now if he comes over here with Duff McKagan's loaded my brother's a tour manager yeah my brother's yeah. name is in Duff's latest book wow How's that happened? It's mad, isn't it? Um, Fuck yeah, he's mad. Should I do one more um, hero story? And then I'll start. Yeah, I was going to say, how many stories have we had? Out of the four, how many have we had? Morgan's counting now. Morgan will put in the comments. This is my last one, actually. It's my, <laughs> my last one. This, I'm assuming this is the it. fucking best one, Sean, is it? It's a good one. I don't know. Right. It's a good one. It's something... Nobody, uh, nobody I know expected it. Um, so, w- yeah, when we did that show with Linkin Park, so basically we d- we got offered five shows with Linkin Park, which are like Lithuania, Latvia, Greece, Munich, and maybe another German one, right? But the Munich one was a Project Revolution. So all the others were just us and Linkin Park, and then the Project Revolution one was Linkin Park, him, the band, not... I'm not calling Linkin Park one man. Um, <laughs> N-E-R-D, right? N-E-R-D, so Pharrellana, right? Pharrellana. Pharrellana, the used, and then the blackout opening, right? So we fucking play whatever. I just fucking cannot see N-E-R-D. Never seen N-E-R-D live. I'm a massive, massive Pharrell fan. Can't yeah. wait. So they fucking go on. And so... Me and the Blacker Boys, we're like, oh, let's go watch a barrier. Um, you can kind of be security side um, of the barrier. So, like, we'd sit on the barrier and just watch NERD playing. 
So as we're playing now, um, I could see Pharrell, he goes up to his bodyguard inside the stage, says something to him, and then all of a sudden the bodyguard jumps off the front of the stage and comes down to us. Right, and I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, we're going to get told the fuck off from there now or something. And this guy, who is a mountain of a man, right, he is massive, right? absolutely massive, looks like a giant upside-down triangle, right, how big his shoulders are, how <laughs> slim his waist is, right? <laughs> he comes up to us, and he goes, <clears throat> and I swear to God, this is his voice, right, he goes, Do you guys want to get on the stage with Pharrell? <laughs> Like, you fucking what? He's like, you guys want to get on stage with Pharrell? Yes, yes, we do. Um, so got up on stage. I'm fucking dancing about while they're playing one of the songs. So there's a video again. There's another video on YouTube of this. And then, so like that song ends. I just instantly walk off stage like fucking world's complete. I didn't even realize. Snow's told me after he was trying to call me back <laughs> as I was walking up stage. Pharrell was trying to call me back to carry on and and stay here or whatever. But I just I was so excited. I just fucked off. So I'm in our dressing room, which was next door to any other dressing room, right? And these are two, like, trailers outside. So I'm standing in the doorway now going, I'm going to get Pharrell now when he comes past and say, you know, the classic, good show. Um, he comes past then, so I was like, oh, oh good show, man. And he, he stopped dead, right? And he was like, what, really? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? what? And he was like, oh, I didn't think anyone from, like, the rock world would like what we do. I was like, bro. They were like the ultimate party band. Like, they do, like, they get a crowd jumping and stuff, and they start doing, like, fucking Seven Nation Army. They literally tore the fucking place up. They had two drummers, right? Which would fucking blow my mind. The Two drummers, both the best drummer in the world, right? Both fucking unbelievable. So I said to him, oh, good show. And he was like, well, really? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, I didn't, didn't expect you to, you know, someone from the rock world to like what we do. I was like, you fucking mental, but so anyway, he, he walks off now. So me and Gavin, is, me and Gavin are just sitting in like the green area that they'd given to him, any idea they used and us or whatever. We just sitting, me and Gavin just sitting. All of a sudden, Pharrell comes, just sits in between me and Gavin, right? So we just start talking to him. And he's like, "Oh, boys, I'm fucking working on this rap with this rapper of the moment, and it sounds like fucking Nine Inch Nails meets fucking." I was like, "Oh." Well, I didn't expect you to fucking even know Nine Inch Nails were. And then, um, so yeah, we carry on talking. I look behind Pharrell, my brother standing behind him, right? Going, look at his watch. Look at his watch. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I had a look at his watch. He had this fucking diamond-encrusted G-Shock Pharrell. It was unbelievable. Jeez. So anyway, um, so I was like, oh, what are you doing now, then? Are you just fucking heading off? Are you, you know, going to the next show or whatever? And he's like, oh, we're playing um, a show. This might have been from MySpace. might have been the tail end of MySpace. He said, um, oh, we're doing a show, 300 capacity show in Munich. Do you want to come? I was like, yeah, fucking right, we do, yeah. So he's like, all right, cool. Um, go give my tour manager the names or whatever. So I went up, spoke to her. Sean Smith plus 10, it ended up being, right? So go to this 300 capacity gig, which is obviously sold out because it's NERD, right? It might have even been, you could only win tickets, right? Yeah. We go to the venue. I go up to the door. Sean Smith plus 10. Yep, no problem. In we go. We stand in the crowd. Now, we, they've got two drummers on this stage. Right? It's not enough for one drummer. <laughs> we go in. It's fucking rammed in it, right? Absolutely fucking rammed. So I'm just standing there, fucking psyched for them to get on. I'm going to fucking crowd surf. I'm going to go fucking mad to these now. Next minute, two manager taps me on the shoulder. Come backstage, Pharrell doesn't want you out there with everybody else. 
So me, Bob from the Blackout, I think, and Matthew from the Blackout, who I mentioned earlier, the mumbly one. Um, we are backstage now, right, with NERD, just there. There's a photo on MySpace, myspace.com forward slash sexy sexy Sean. Go have a look, can I? Um, and uh, so I had a photo with Pharrell, and we hung out for a bit. I went to go and get my camera. When I came back, they shut the door, locked the dressing room door, and they were on a prayer circle, right? So there must have been 10, 10 African-American lads and Matthew Davis from the Blackout, who is the whitest member of the Blackout as well. He's not with them. Um, he'd fall over if he had to dance in, right? He's in this He's in this fucking circle, praying with He's not religious in the slightest, right? But when I eventually got into that room, I was like, what happened? He was like, oh, I was just... Ended up praying and that with <laughs> I ended up praying. Um and yeah, so fucking we watch him. He's like, Forever like, come stand side of stage. There's no side of stage, but as close as you can get to our side of stage, I'm there. He's like, I want to big shout out to our new friends in the blackout. We love these guys. I was like, what the fuck's going on? So after the show, I was like, bro, that was fucking incredible. I was like, I can't believe I got to meet you and you're so fucking lovely. I was like, I'm coming to the London Project Revolution, the Linkin Park are playing. We're not playing it, but I'm going to be it. And he was like, oh, take my number. I was like, oh, right, yeah. Thinking he'd give me, like, his two managers' number. Or do what I've done to people where you give them one number wrong, right? <laughs> so he was like, oh, take my number. I was like, oh, right, yeah. So I took his fucking number. As soon as I left the venue, I was like, I'm going to fucking test this now. So I texted him saying, thank you so much for today. It's been a fucking absolute pleasure to meet you, an honour to meet you. I can't believe you. You're one of my fucking heroes. You're going to fucking love you. Text me back right away. I'll see you next week in fucking London. Come and hang out and that. So I end up going to the London show. I miss him by five minutes, right? Literally leaves. And I find out, as we get backstage, me and Pablo, some guy at the time, I was like, oh, I'm looking for Pharrell. They were like, oh, he's just left now with Jay-Z. Oh. Oh, I was like, I miss Jason Z. Oh, not Jason Z and Pharrell. No way. And then um, a year later, then I text um, Pharrell was any idea you were playing in London in the Camden Roundhouse, and I text him saying, "Oh, I have a good show tonight." And then I had a phone call in off Phil, I believe, is manage is day to day manager. I was called at the time, going, um, "Pharrell wants you to come to the show." And I was like, oh, well, I'm in Cardiff, rehearsing my band. And he was like, cool. Well, it's four o'clock now, and the show starts at nine. He's like, it doesn't take five hours to get here. So, so then I was like, in mid-practice, I was like, boys, I've been summoned by Pharrell um, to go to London. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody want to come with me? So Bob was like, I'll fucking come with you. Let's go. Because you never know. It might be like, we can use it as like, a we call it a business trip. Like, we fucking... You know, we never know what comes of this. So we go to the show. We walk in, right? They just started on stage. We walk in the back, fucking rammed. Me and Bob walking back of the crowd now to come down like the right-hand side, stage left. He sees us. I don't know how we saw us. Me and Bob, he fucking gives us a signal or whatever. Gives us a fucking salute. We wait till the end of the show. We're backstage, Jen, and he's like, um, oh, what are you doing? We're like, what have you, what's the band got planned? I was like, oh, we go to Texas now to record. It was the best in town, actually. And he said, um, oh, let's do a song together. And I was like, fuck off now. Oh, you give me your number. <laughs> You've been fucking super nice to me. You don't fucking pull my plonker now, right? Don't fucking lead me on, right? 
and uh, and then fucking tell me we're gonna do a song together because I know it's not fucking coming. He's like, no, it'll do. It'll do. We got my number. So as we were recording, the fucking Children of the Night. Actually, we were gonna have. If you listen to the song Children of the Night by the Blackout, um, if you listen to the middle section, there's like loads of percussion, right? And that's because Jason Perry knows. Um, Pharrell loves percussion, right? So if you haven't listened to it, there's like loads of fucking like cowbells and like fucking other things and it's fucking mental. And um, that was literally the week Pharrell's missus went into labour and was with her for the whole week and we were like, shit. But yeah, we, yeah, it was just, it never happened. But yeah, so I got to be near him. I find that fucking mental to this day. Um, But it's, it's just weird. <laughs> it's just, it's just. That's fucking incredible, strange. bro. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. No, nah, there you go. Yeah, well, I wasn't. <laughs> but it's still in my fucking phone. I'm using it. Uh, you can see on my phone. Otherwise, I could have fucking called in. Imagine having a guest on the crowdcast and he's not on something podcast. And he's fucking I know. <laughs> Morgan's like, I'm fucking pull, yeah. pull, pull. Morgan <laughs> yeah. starts phoning me. Get off your phone, yo. <laughs> Ah, uh, mate. Oh, so, what, what was your favourite record with the Blackout? What What is your favourite to date? I know you've probably been asked it, but I, I, you know, I'd like I to know what. It's probably the best in town. I think it's either the best in town. I think it's the best in town or Hope, which is the album that came after it. So, um, our first EP was called The Black of the Black of the Blackout, which, if you have a look on the spine of it. Gavin spelt wrong, so it says the blackout, the blackout, the blickout, because he missed an A or the last blackout. <laughs> um, so we had the blackout, the blackout, the blickout. Then we had uh, an album called We Are the Dynamite. Then we did The Best in Town in Texas with Jason Perry, which yeah. was possibly the best work. Then we did an album called Hope, where we were one of the first people to do pledge music um, to make an album. Um and then what we do after Hope was start the party after Hope. It might have been. Yeah. And then what happened then is, oh, there it is. There's Matthew Pritchard. Look, Matthew Pritchard. If you have a look closely to there, if you look on his side, he's got like a diamond, a black diamond. Yeah. That's, that's photoshopped in by there, right? It's right. A, it's, a, it's a TBO um, logo, basically. And after that, he went and had that done properly. <laughs> um, so he's got he's got a fucking to start the party written on his ribs now the mad fucker look how, look how brown I look but I look like I'm washed for about fucking three weeks <laughs> <laughs> so was that, um, that was that him in full fucking dirty Sanchez mode but there was it oh, or, um... we went yeah so basically as again as is the running theme of the blackout let's do something fucking funny right so we had an idea we had this album we did this album called start the party because what happened was Hope did surprisingly well. So I was happy. I was partying a lot, whatever that means. And then, um, so I was like, right, we'll do a party. We'll do an album called Start the Party where everything's a bit more fucking fun. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure our fans are coming with us and growing at the same time. And then I realized that wasn't, well, when the album came out, we found out that wasn't a fucking case. Um, but we decided was fucking funnier than for a video. We shot all our other vi- prior videos to that in like fucking Bolton, in fucking freezing cold Bolton, right? Um, so we were like, well, let's take the fucking budget for the video, go to Ibiza with Rich. If we take a fucking handy cam, we're going to get some fucking mad footage of him doing some sort of shit. 
but we took a, like a full production company out and then yeah we took him we took him out himself you you drink him for free when he was Matthew Pritchard in Ibiza because yeah. it was fucking wild we went out we ended up at Pike's nightclub which is where Freddie Mercury stayed when um, he was in Ibiza and um, somebody there broke the bed um, <laughs> I, I won't incriminate the person um, but somebody <laughs> broke the bed in Freddie Mercury's room um, and Bob had to have a tactical spoo at 4am but yeah it was fucking chaos it was chaos <laughs> going anywhere with Pritch is chaos mind it always ends the same way um, with him up higher than everybody else so he's on a table a bed a chair a windowsill perhaps singing Queen as loud as he fucking can um, <laughs> that's happened every time every time I've hung out with Pritch even the time he flew to Newcastle to come on tour with a blackout we went from Newcastle to Edinburgh right and the Bear in mind, upstairs in a bus, right? You will, you can't, you could stand up in the bus, right? But it would like be there, right? Mm. He ended up on a table, standing on a table between there and the roof. Fucking, we are Every night I spent with him has ended up with him fucking standing up, some in screaming queen. <laughs> what a fucking nutter hopefully you'll have him on as a guest soon so you can talk to him about his um, his love of all that ah that'd be great yeah man that'd be great fucking hell Sean what a fucking life dude I mean no wonder you were fucking heartbroken with the fucking blackout the fucking <laughs> stories is fuck yeah yeah um, I'm trying to think there was any Morgan can you type it in is there any other usual ones I've missed out on of my usual stories <laughs> but... <laughs> So are they? They're your top four, are they? Oh yeah, it's a running theme. This this story thing is a running theme with my girlfriend because when I first started seeing her, like she'd be like, "Oh, you told me that." I'd be like, "Oh, all right, yeah." I was like, "Oh, yeah." Because a lot of people told you to be fucking hanging out with Freddie. Oh, you're not that impressed, you? Because I still am, and it was fucking me that did it, bitch, right? She's watching it. I'm so sorry. I love you very much. <laughs> oh, I do. That was not. Uh, brother, um, Sean, bud, thank you so much for joining us. We got to leave it there, but um, buddy, I uh, I can't tell you the fuck you've made me smile. I just shut up and just listen to you talk, man. It was fucking brilliant, <laughs> incredible yeah. stories. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Thank you for having me. I fucking love you, boys. I love what you fucking created, and this is fucking brilliant. I fucking. I'm not gonna lie, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of this, to be honest. It's gonna um, be better when we catch up properly, but that's what oh, we can't yeah. Honestly, yeah. Well, Let's do fucking one of these in the flesh, man. And then fucking obviously we will fucking tap in. And exactly. then let's do uh, yeah, let's do one of these in the flesh together. And yeah, thank you very much for this. Congratulations on all his success so far, boys. Um thank you, and uh, fucking send me one of them beers on a fucking hot sauce and for fuck's sake. <laughs> we will, but we will. No question. And maybe we'll be in the, in the next story and you can make it five epic stories then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I went and I had hot sauce and I shit myself with those damn There we go. <laughs> you write yourself. There we go. I fucking write it now. And, do you know what? I'm writing it now. <laughs> I know it's going to be a good one. And then, oh, John, and then you fucking phone Pharrell and tell him. Pharrell, <laughs> <laughs> you never guess what I... I fucking shit myself because I had too much beer and hot sauce the other day, but... Yeah. Those damn crows. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, thank you, for, thank you for having me, and um, fucking good luck with everything. And um, I'm sorry, I'm not episode sixty nine. That's <laughs> I could have been like. It could have been. Happened. Yeah, just repeat repeat this episode for number 69. 69. 69 to throw back to fucking yeah. 90 episodes ago. Oh, we'll get Morgan on and you'll be fucking tamping with that. Oh, oh. <laughs> if you get God, him at 69, nah, nah. <laughs> but I'll be in a. There he is. I've never seen that photo of him. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. And the fact that he doesn't cover you two and just covers me makes me blood red mad. Blood red mad. Oh. <laughs> but thanks for having me, boys. I've, I've enjoyed this very much. And I'm, I'm surprised my headphones aren't gone dead. So. Ah, that's fine, but... Fucking great, man. Cheers. Catch Thank you. That's you. happening pod everywhere. Um, at Raiders Band UK. Check out Raiders UK. I don't want to do an ad. It make any louder. Um, Raiders UK on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music, Raiders UK. So if you've watched this and thought, that boy is way too fucking happy, I'd love to hear him hating himself and close to ending his own life, check out my band Raiders, Raiders UK. I'm super sad on them songs. Cheers, boys. Please never <laughs> die. See you soon. Fucking stop Take care, brother. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!